Welcome back to Schoolhouse Cracked. Be sure to find us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and find us on all your popular podcast channels. As always, if you have thoughts, comments, opinions, send them to us at schoolhousecracked at gmail.com. With me, as always, is Mr. Brett Derrickson, veteran educational leader and leader of leader of all educators of all walks and types of life and lover of, uh, of wonderful learning opportunities and supporter of children from every different walk of life as well. I wish those things were true. Thank you, Dr. <laughs> Marcus Motorchannel, my good friend and, and colleague, former uh, principal, uh, school counselor, and, and now uh, leader at a, a, a high-quality university here in town where he helps uh, uh, counselors uh, get ready for their, uh, their career in, in schools. Um, yeah. Not always public schools, but wherever they're going to be uh, doing counseling. So, uh, Brett, today our episode is uh, right around the corner for what's going to happen here in about two, three, four weeks, depending on where you live in the country, our back-to-school episode. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I'm wearing a T-shirt. First of all, you'll notice that it is a, an appropriate T-shirt. Uh, school, school appropriate. School, school appropriate, appropriate yeah. T-shirt. 90% of my T-shirts are from the establishments that, where I go to find uh, relief and camaraderie that I cannot wear to school. But it is a representation that summer is coming to an end. Pretty soon I'll be wearing a tie, and we'll all be getting our school clothes together and wondering uh, about professional dress. I'm sure as you is in your schools, you're going to be talking about kids' dress and dress codes, of course, is one of those back-to-school issues. I just want to share from Tales of the Trenches. Back to school. I've always enjoyed going to school. I've always had friends and uh, teammates and different people I was always wanting to see. I do remember when I was a middle schooler, we always kind of wanted to see uh, what school clothes kids had, or who kind of like grew, or how people changed, or oh, a new haircut. Yeah, oh, new you haircut. got a piercing. That's yeah. right. Or or new kids coming in. But regardless of all that, about a week before school, I would always start those stress dreams. Mm. Uh, the most common one, I know it sounds cliche, but I dreamed it every summer, is going to school and not having a shirt on and feeling completely exposed and trying to find where, where your shirt is. Then <laughs> as a teacher, my stress dreams were, this one's terrible, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, I always had one or two dreams that I just lost it on kids. Oh, God. I mean, just you loud you yelling, swearing, even like, you know, like just threatening, angry behavior, mm. like behaviors I've never even exhibited in my entire life. And then last night, I started my administrator uh, stress dreams where teachers were coming up and asking me extraordinarily basic questions. But it turned out I was an administrator at a whole other school and I didn't know the, <laughs> didn't answer know the answers to anything. So that's just all to say, as we get headed back to school, in, in your experience as a guidance counselor, what are families and kids experiencing as they get geared up? Oh, God, I, I, you know, both your stories you just told, Brett, I think are, are relevant and apt. Um, you know, the, the showing up without any clothes, showing up unprepared, um, showing up and, and being fearful of a social interaction or social situation that that may have been a holdover from the previous school year. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know many students that, that I've worked with over the years maybe have had a falling out with a friend in May, and it's been hanging over their head all summer, yeah. and they're going to see that person for the first time in August. Or on the off chance, in May, 
there was maybe some flirtations between a potentially romantic couple mm -hmm. that have simmered all summer and they both have been excited to see each other in August. Yeah. Or um, one got too excited and started seeing somebody else over summer. Oh, that, that conflict which, comes which, ca school. <laughs> which causes far more problems <laughs> and is usually on social media. Yeah. Um, but, e but even for teachers, you know, um, I can think of some teachers who uh, may have had a final evaluation that didn't sit well and, you know, they're, they're nervous or maybe self-doubting coming into a school year or maybe had an absolutely amazing year, but over the course of a 10-year ten career, they thought that was the best year they've had and are nervous about, am I going to have another one like that? Which would be awesome, or or maybe I'm not. Yeah. Or teaching uh, new subjects, or teaching a new, a new grade a new, level. Yeah, a new course, yeah. a new grade level, or maybe you have a new colleague in a department that you're supporting, yeah. and are we going to get along? Mm -hmm. um, so it it is 100% common and normal for everybody that's going back to school. Um, parents are you're obviously not going back to school, but you're sending your your children to school. Children being anxious and nervous, teachers being anxious and nervous, administrators being anxious and nervous. And it's funny you told me this. You um. I, I didn't know the story about you having a, a the the terror dreams yeah. about losing it on kids. Melting. You know, I, I I'm teaching graduate level students, and I still have those those Sunday scaries where uh, <laughs> before my first class for that session, you know, I wake up from in a cold sweat like, oh my my lesson plan's not <laughs> finalized, yeah. or my syllabus isn't going to make any sense, or uh, the textbook is actually two editions old, <laughs> and uh, and it's all nonsense, right? But it's all from a good place because we want to present and come to school as our best selves, whether it's children, teachers, administrators. Yeah, one of the things you were sharing with me um, as we were getting prepared uh, that really resonates um, with me personally as an educator is that we all have different thoughts about school, especially that, that child, child perspective. Um, um, my good friend and, and our, our principal, your, your former uh, boss, is someone who really emphasizes to our staff that this might be the safest emotional uh, place for their kids. Yeah, absolutely. But it, I, that, though I think that's the perspective that our staff should take, that, that, that we're bringing them into our school and it's, um, that learning is important, but also making sure that they feel welcomed and comfortable and cared for and visible uh, and valued. What are the various perspectives, though? If you're, yeah. What is the range of feelings of a, of a, of a kid going to school? You, you know, I can't say this uh, clinically or statistically, but just from observation and experience as an educator, counselor, administrator, um, it kind of falls into two categories. And the first category is, I would say, kids who are excited to come back because they love school. Or kids who are excited to come back because maybe their home environment isn't the greatest mm -hmm. and school is a safe place for them. On the other end of the spectrum, you have kids that don't want to come back to school. And, and those are kids who don't want to come back to school maybe because they don't feel like they're a great student and they don't have that academic confidence. Or you're having students who don't want to come to school because they don't feel it's a safe place and home is safer for them as well. So I, I, I would categorize them as students who are excited and students who are not excited with those two caveats. Yeah. Can I just uh, – let me throw that parent one at you for, for a sec. This is, this is something I've ex experienced um, more recently. Uh, as I've mentioned before, I have two students that are in high school and one student that's going into the eighth grade. But I, I, I experienced anxiety – at the different levels mm -hmm. of, of education, not mm -hmm. a, not much anxiety for my kids in 
in elementary school. I love uh, how elementary schools are set up. I think if I had to pick one of the models, yeah. uh, that would be the one I would go with because uh, even though you might have not have a great homeroom teacher uh, or, or, or grade level mm-hmm. teacher, um, you, it's usually a caring person mm-hmm. and it's one person to communicate with one person um, to build relationships with. Yeah. And yeah. they have specials and other areas of interest, but, um, just the, the experiences my, all three of my children had were with s- safe and caring adults. When we went into those other levels, when you get into secondary schools and you have six, seven classes, mm-hmm. uh, that was, that was intimidating for me as a parent academically when my kids went to middle school and now that that uh, teacher who used to check my my son's backpack yeah uh, when you know yeah. for his own assignments that yeah. he did now there's there's seven teachers and he's supposed to grow up some mm-hmm. somehow grown up between fifth and sixth grade miraculously that summer between fifth and sixth grade is actually where all growing occurs <laughs> yeah. um, they, they actually become full adults no it uh, is over it's that ex- summer break it's extremely stressful from the parent point of view that they're going to be carrying a lot more books, a lot more subjects, maybe a locker, so on and so yeah. forth. But then in high school, my kids were going into high school, and this is just our family dynamic. And me being a career high school teacher, I was scared of high school kids for my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, just knowing um, that juniors and seniors are young, extraordinarily vibrant, extraordinarily exploratory, extraordinarily re- rebellious uh, role models. And my kids were still kids, yep. and and we had you know we had built a family dynamic that was a bit of a shelter, mm-hmm. and so socially, I was nervous, and I I am nervous. I got a kid that's uh, going a son that's going into his junior year, and and uh, now that kind of homecoming is less about going with your friends and a little bit more about figuring out if you're going to have a date. And there's a lot, a lot of the now. And is the dress in the suit going to match? And is there a corsage? Right. And even now varsity versus junior varsity sports. And and I'm wondering how they're going to handle disappointments, how they're going to handle relationships. There's there's so many of those, as you know, like rites of passage Mm -hmm. that occur in high school. And so as a parent, I'm anxious for my kids. Well, and that's something they have to have in the back of their minds as well. Going to a new school year. Every new school year, and the thing I love about education, and and I guess it's one of the reasons I've spent my entire career in education um, across the scope, K, K-12, uh, bachelor's degree, master's degree programs. Mm-hmm. Like I, At this point, I've taught or, or been involved in education K, what would that be, K-20? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and, and the thing I love about it is every new term, every new school year, is a wide open opportunity. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I'm sure your son is coming to the school, you're thinking to himself, like this is an opportunity for something new, for something different, for me to grow, for me to evolve, for me to accomplish some of my goals. And, and each new school year is kind of a reset in that regard. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's kind of the, the student getting themselves excited for that opportunity. But what is what do we do as adults, as a parent, or as a teacher, or as a school administrator, to get kids excited about this new school year, knowing that not all students are excited to return to school? Well, do you, if you don't mind, I'm just going to invert the answer to that question. Here's sure. the, I'm going to start with the here's the, the don'ts. Okay, very good. Right. Okay. Um, don't give them a syllabus and have their parents sign it and bring it back the next day. Worth 50 points yeah, is the first assignment. Worth any, worth any amount of... Of, of points. Uh, no, I will, I'll say that. I'm just going to interject uh, my opinion. The, the syllabus, even in high school, for even a rigorous course, uh, such as advanced placement or international baccalaureate or college credit. They're is, never going to look at it. Yeah, yeah, and it's a second or third day uh, event anyways. Do something that either 
uh, builds rapport in the classroom or builds interest in the subject area. If you, if you can't get past that, then do what is the most exciting, most thought-provoking, most interesting thing that you're going to expose kids to learning in your course and let them experience a taste of it right away. Um, that is going to allow the students to understand that this is a place of learning. And so when they go into those uh, courses and the rigor hits, and you do have to buckle down and study and recall and apply and examine and produce uh, products that show your understanding, um, you've been primed for at least the idea that we're here to learn. Yeah. Uh, so make sure that, that, that your learning environment is one that at least speaks to your passions as an educator, your syllabus. Um, it's still going to be there. It's still yeah, going to be there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd also say don't, um, don't tell them to be afraid. Uh, one of the things this I've is seen, a hard class. It yes, is challenging. Exactly. Most of you will not get A's. <laughs> yes. You know, don't, I'm going to, I'm just going to say that out there. Teachers, there's so many, um, of us that have made this mistake. Uh, but don't don't jump up on the, the highest part of your perch and make sure the students know you're the smartest person and you're the toughest grader and this is the hardest class. My, my hope is that the adult would be the smartest person in the room yeah. in a group of 14-year-olds. Absolutely. But, you never know. but the point is... is <laughs> I don't think it needs to be proven. Even if all those things are true, allow them to discover those things through your structure, your accountability, your support for their learning, mm -hmm. and the meaningfulness of your learning. But that uh, approach that you're not going to get to go to 11th grade if you don't pass 10th grade English class, that might be true. Um, that's Who's that for? Who does yeah. that help? Well, it, it's, it's, it's super funny you said this because I was guilty of this just the other day, actually. Mm -hmm. um, one of the classes I teach is a graduate capstone research class, um, which is essentially the culmination of a thesis project. Yeah. And, uh, it, and it's, it's an abbreviated course where – I help the students basically formalize their methodology, um, go through their institutional review board for, for human subjects research approval. But the intent being after we get through that, it's self-paced. The students are writing and collect, they're collecting their data, analyzing it, and then I'm giving feedback, you know, maybe every month or two, right? Mm -hmm. um, but, the, but the course, approximately half of the students institutionally don't finish it within the time of the course because the course is an in-progress class. Yeah. And so I... I the worst part of me came out, and I, I constantly was reminding them, like, and it, my intent was good. Keep in mind that half of you, at least half of you, will not finish by the end of this course <laughs> because the course is built for you to finish it over the next school year. And the way that landed with my students is that half of you will fail. And so I had to circle back with my students. I was like, that's, I'm sorry, that's not the case. I'm just telling you that it is not my expectation that you're done yeah. in this time period because you're going to stress yourself out into exhaustion. Yeah. And, I, and I don't have that high bar for you. It's very reasonable, but it did not come across that way. So I was guilty of that exact scenario. Yeah. But um, going back to a don't, I, I want to introduce a don't myself. Mm -hmm. Don't underestimate the, the, the power of starting with the relationship and the rapport building. Mm -hmm. um, skipping straight into your content uh, and, and missing that opportunity is going to cause harm later on mm -hmm. by building that rapport and starting off with relationships it's going to pay dividends later in the school year you won't even know it until it's october oh. i agree with you so much that i'm going to push back on you a little bit it's one of my least favorite things is for for educators like ourselves school leaders district leaders um, other experts to say build rapport mm -hmm. with students build relationships 
But what does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah. What does that look like? I mean, for, you've evaluated. This is something I've seen you do well um, across the board mm. with kids and with adults. What What are the ways? Let's that that we can build rapport in our classroom. Sure. So I I, I want to circle back a little bit mm-hmm. in that when we came into the world of education, there was a period of time where the quote pendulum was swinging, um, where bell to bell instruction was the mandate. Yeah. And. Uh, instruction on day one was the mandate. Mm-hmm. And, and I think at this point we, we've learned that that's not necessary. Like you can lose 50 minutes of instruction on uh, Mesopotamia mm-hmm. and be just fine. Um, <laughs> so, so how do you build rapport and relationships? And so I'm, I'm a really big proponent in, in uh, uh, the research supports this in, in rapport building in classroom settings is circles. Yeah. And so I think we've all been part of as parents or teachers or administrators, part of a conference or a training where it starts off with the cheesiest ass icebreaker. Yeah. And, uh, Hey guys, good things. Did you have good things this weekend? And I hate that question as, as a mental health professional, because the assumption is that we all have good things Mm -hmm. and and some of us may have had a shitty weekend. And so I hate those really surface level icebreakers, but I do like circles where you pose and scaffold a question to your students. Um, and again, the assumption, we don't want to ask these questions when we come back to school, is tell us about your summer. What did you do during the summer? Because yeah. that's an assumption that every kid had an opportunity to do something cool. Mm-hmm. Some of our students may not have had an opportunity to do something cool or fun or travel. But um, what is one thing you're looking forward to uh, for the school year? Or what was what was a TV show or a movie or something you saw on social media that made you laugh? Mm-hmm. Or if you could be a superhero, what superpower would you have and why? And starting off with some of those easy questions, build some rapport, and going around the circle and everybody sharing out. Not Mm -hmm. making it mandatory, but then over time using that same strategy over the course of the school year to introduce some more meaningful, genuine, authentic questions. Who is somebody in your life that you look up to? Things like Mm -hmm. that. And so starting there, one, that's rapport building with, with the teacher and the student. And then two, that's relationship building between peers yeah. between the students because when you inevitably ask them to do a group project if they don't respect trust and care for their colleagues their peers that group project is going to be even more challenging and i talked about it in the last episode right um so i would say one of the things that i absolutely love is uh, connection circles yeah absolutely connection circles and, and again just to go back to what we said the last episode, the, the more you know mm-hmm. even if a student says i don't want to talk about that or they pass mm-hmm. or they don't want to they you know they they say my summer sucked or it was boring mm-hmm. or i slept the whole time now you know. Mm-hmm. Now you know you've got to dig deeper with with that one about what their yeah. interests it's, are. It's a point of entry for that student. Yeah. And when you follow up as an educator with that student, they know it's from a point of concern, caring, and interest. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. I, w- I would also say in regard to rapport building, I like it, and you know this about me instructionally, I like to do writing to thinking. Even If mm-hmm. you take even that same connection circle, Allowing them to write it down. I used to do name tags with you know with the uh, Manila folder, and they fold it up. We divided it into six, and so that they knew that they were going to do six quick writes mm-hmm. on personal things that we would then share out in a connection circle mm-hmm. style. And if they don't share them out, they do write them out. Mm-hmm. And so if they yeah. do write it out and don't share it out, I can then grab that name tag when they hand it in, and I could write back really cool. I love sleep mm-hmm. too. Or I wish I was sleeping right now. Or sometimes mm-hmm. I make myself mm-hmm. sleep when I talk. Anything yeah. that just it creates early on, hey, I'm a two-way person. A connection, in a perceived ally. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. 
Um, so w then I would ask you the same question, and this is something I, I, in working with parents, you know, we, we know that we're not under, as educators, the false assumption that every kid's excited to return to school. Um, many students are not excited yeah. to return to school in the, the scenarios I gave you. As a parent, when you're sitting at home, how do you respond to the student and how do you encourage the student who is excited to return to school and how do you support and encourage the student who isn't excited to yeah. return to school? Yeah, and that's a, that's a tough question. You kind of mentioned it uh, earlier too. There, I hope that my responses aren't to um, upper middle class, um, but, but there's, a, there's a few things that we, that we do in the home and if you don't have these resources, um, I hope that your school district does and I hope that you're not afraid to. But the number one thing is, is make sure that they have what they need for school. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that is uh, quite difficult. Uh, it, it sounds like such a minor thing, but what, what are school supplies? Things have changed yeah. so often. And, and admittedly, some of those school supply lists are absurd. They are, yeah. they are, but, but, but do, and, and do make sure that, that more than Sunday night before the first day of Monday, mm -hmm that your kids know they have what they need for school, that's gonna mm -hmm. reduce anxiety mm -hmm. the night before or the two nights before or the week before. It's also gonna reduce anxiety when they, when they walk in. Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to things like backpacks and clothes and, and different things, of course, you need to have um, family values on those things, but do, do understand that um, they can't learn if they don't feel like they fit in or if they don't feel like they're expressing themselves. So I'm not saying expand so far behind what, what you value as a family, but, but do understand that, uh, particularly as they go in those sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th grade, that how, how they express themselves either through a backpack or their water bottle stickers coming, coming in confident. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's important. And that, that, that they can do that. I would also say, uh, a few things are really important. Whatever the habits are, mm -hmm. like right now, it's, it's July 12th, um, two weeks at least before they start going mm -hmm. back to school. You need to get them back on a meals schedule that fits uh, school. It's, it's not healthy for them to not be hungry at lunchtime at school and to not yeah. have anything to eat yeah. at lunch. It's it, not good for their brain or their body. It, and alarm schedules, getting yes. used to the routine of waking up at a, at a school time. That's that's the big one yeah. uh, in my home. We don't and, have... And that, that, that rings true even for, for the educators. You know, I, yeah. I, I every year hear teachers tell me that, you know, I didn't start waking up at, at the appropriate school time until the day before school and I'm struggling. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to just have these... Uh, lame kind of pediatrician uh, versions uh, of yeah, get enough response. sleep the night before. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. but those what what we do know is that if if their hierarchy of needs aren't met, yeah. uh, then they're not in learning position. With that being said, you know I was just interacting with a, a really good friend of mine whose uh, daughter had a traumatic brain injury when she was very young, mm -hmm. and like like you mentioned, yeah. talk about kids who aren't excited to go back to school. She lives in a very healthy household. Uh, a very loving household, a household where her strengths uh, as a young lady are always accentuated, but the place where her strengths suffer the most are, is at school. Mm. And he's contacting me, and it's, and it's July, and he's, he's worried about school. Just, folks, just remind your students that we all get through this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> remind them that you're there for them. Going back to our episode about communication, remind them that you'll communicate with the school. That if there is a problem, that, that you will 
first teach them how to advocate and allow them to advocate for themselves. But if it doesn't work, that you're there and that you will um, advocate for them. And, and, and just, just let them know that they don't have to be great at everything. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, and that's something that, as you were speaking, Brett, kind of stood out to me is, you know, between the two of us, we've worked with thousands of students over the course of our career, probably numbering in the 50,000 yeah. number of students. And uh, I can't I can't really think of a student where if I posed the question to them, they wouldn't have an answer to this, but I've never met a student who hates every aspect of school. Yeah. Um, you know, what, it's a matter of digging through, through good questioning, whether a parent or a teacher. Um, and so parents, if, if you're asking this question, your student's not excited to return to school, you know, it's absolutely appropriate and normal to reach out to the school's mental health provider, whether that's a school counselor, or if your student's working with a school psychologist or social worker, other mental health provider, absolutely normal. But, um, it does take some digging sometimes, but never really the kid who tells me they hate school with a passion and they'd like to see it burn down. And admittedly, there's been days I've been working at a school where I'd agree with that statement. Um, but digging through questioning, and ultimately you'll arrive to something. Yeah. Like they've they've connected with at least one adult in the school. And they're they're looking forward to their opportunity to go to Woodshop and, and, and spend time with Mr. T. Mm-hmm. We know that kids aren't, don't come to school because they love all seven classes. Uh, you know, if I had an opportunity, I would have skipped one of my classes every single day, but I loved my other six. And so really digging deep and helping that student identify and, and, and lean into that one even tiny aspect of school they love. Yeah, Marcus, yeah. I'll, even, I'll even tell you this, and I don't, I don't know that I shared this with you, um, but with, going back to our last episode about the difficulties of, of COVID, um, my son, uh, my oldest son, is an introvert. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he has a few uh, close friends. Yeah. Uh, he does not get excited to walk into a room and see everybody else in different yeah. outfits and different things. He, he, gets, he gets terrified. And he, will, will he share in connection circles? Yes. But the idea of being circled up and face-to-face with his peers, and I'm, I'm happy for his school to put him in those difficult yeah. situations. And he'll do fine, but I know, I know inside his heart. It's going to feel scratchy. Yeah. yeah, but the the point is, is that I asked the school to switch his schedule so he could have a class with a friend. I never thought I was going to say that. Mm-hmm. But the point is, is that his he's an advanced French student, and then he had study hall. Well, and his buddy had French during study hall, the same mm-hmm. level it's an, of it's French. A, it's an easy fix. And <laughs> yeah, I'm like, and will And will it allow him to achieve a different level of academic success with – a perception of peer support, peer yes. connection. Absolutely. We, yes. we know that to be true. Yeah. Yeah. So, so find, find those things that are unique to your kid that you can ask the school of. If the school says, oh, we have a policy against that, or if we can't do that and it makes sense to you and, and you, that's fine, mm-hmm. but don't be afraid to ask. And going back to what you were saying, don't be afraid to call the school ahead of time and tell yeah. them what you guys have gone through. Yeah. Say, Hey, you know, uh, his father's been sick all summer. They had a terrible summer. You might see their attitude is different or they've had an illness or we're having some struggles within mm-hmm. our marriage. You know, there's not a judgment at the school. School counselors don't judge that. They Absolutely everybody not. knows it's, that we all carry heavy yeah. baggage. It's normal. It's typical, and it's not the only phone call that person's going to get like that. Right, but it's it's a tougher situation when your kid has to wait two or three or four weeks for someone to figure out that that their struggle with school yeah. or something yeah. in life causes them struggle with yeah. school. So th- then the the next level question to this is then how do we 
as educators get our colleagues excited to return to school, knowing that summer is typically a reprieve for teachers and administrators to breathe, reset, and then let that anxiety rebuild the return. Marcus, that's great. I met, I met today via Zoom with a brand new teacher to our school who's brand new to teaching. Um, so some built-in enthusiasm yeah, there. Yeah. And, and, but also, uh, we're asking her to teach an elective course that doesn't have you know, a textbook curriculum, or curriculum, this, yeah. so on and so forth. And you know I've used this phrase a thousand times, and I hope that this uh, answers the question. I said to this young lady, I said, you're going to hear me say this to you as long as we know each other. We are not ER doctors. Yeah. <laughs> like We can have a bad class period. Yeah. We can have a bad day, a bad lesson, a whole yeah. bad unit, yeah. and nobody dies over yeah. it. Um, you know, it, that is that is to highlight that there are first responders and there are people whose whose sharpness in their job uh, has narrow or no room yeah. for mistakes. There's no margin of error, right? Where, whereas yeah. in the in the world of teaching, yeah, you know, the first half of my lesson could be a train wreck, mm -hmm. but I may have put a nice bow on it at the end. <laughs> or you forget the whole bow and tear up the whole package. But Let the, the train derail into a ravine. Right, but it doesn't mean you can't give a gift the day after right. Christmas. Yeah. I, yeah. Oh, staff, hold me to this. We have a lot of initiative. Yeah. We have a lot of important work. We have a lot of challenging work. There's nothing easy about being a teacher. It's not getting easier. It's getting more meaningful and more challenging, and that's exciting. Uh, it's also intimidating, but here, here's what I'll say. You treat kids with kindness. You uh, reach out and be present for the adults that you work with, and then the, everything else is going to be okay. Everything else we can amend, mm -hmm. bend, stretch as we need throughout the school year. But as we get back into school, know that it's a, it's a people business. Mm -hmm. uh, be kind to yourself, be kind to kids, and, and be kind to your colleagues. Yeah, it, it, as an extension of that, you know, there's there's a lot of bullshit mm -hmm. in in the public school system, yeah. right? And, and I don't mean, I don't say that to pass judgment on any one thing, yeah. but that there's so much stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And it's very easy to get wrapped up in that stuff very quickly and begin to overthink and overanalyze and overprocess and dwell on the negative and I need to do this and I need to do that. That we lose sight of the fact that you just need to have fun. Yeah. And, and so when when you start to suppress that uh, those emotions of just like push the shit down, I'm just going to deal with it, I'm just going to grind. That also suppresses your ability to experience the positive emotions, to have joy and have fun and laugh with your colleagues. And, and so when you're just trying to grind out and get the school year started and get to Thanksgiving break, um, it makes it more difficult to engage in those those positive, pro-social, yeah. good-feeling emotions and behaviors. Yeah. And so, yeah. so you know, have fun, enjoy your colleagues, support them, laugh. Um, and then I will say, and this is something that, uh, that we've both been guilty of in our careers as administrators, um, but also we've gotten in trouble for pushing back against central administrators, is that administrators, there's not a single teacher on the planet on the first three back day, days back of professional development. They want to hear you talk for eight hours. Yeah, you're not that yeah. great. Right? And you're not that much of an expert. Yeah. I've been guilty of that. Brett's been guilty of that. And in hindsight – 
there's far more important things for that teacher to be doing than to sit in an auditorium or sit in a cafetorium, which is even worse, and listen to an administrator pontificate for eight hours on last year's school assessment data. Honestly, that can be an email. It can be a brief conversation and a follow-up conversation in professional learning communities. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I want to I concur with that, and as we... As we wrap up, I just this is the point where I really would like our audience, students, parents, teachers, administrators, please uh, throw some challenges back at us. Uh, allow us to address uh, things that that were that we missed, uh, that are huge concerns for you, that are huge joys. Share the things that work. Um, contact us. Communicate with us uh, through through Facebook and and through our our email account. Um, but really, whatever it is that is causing anxiety, we, we've got to get into those cracks mm -hmm. and we've got to find a way to help you uh, get excited as a student, as a parent, as a teacher, because there's really, there's nothing more fundamental to a healthy democratic society than a really good K through 12 education. Yeah, so absolutely, Brett. Parents, send us your thoughts. What are you doing with your own students that is either continuing to keep them excited and encouraged to return to school, or what are you doing to support a student who maybe isn't excited to return to school at home? Teachers, what do you have planned for the first couple of days that are really gonna help build rapport, build relationships with students? Um, what are you focusing on there? And then administrators, teachers, what are you doing to get your colleagues excited, ready to go, ready to do the tough work of an entire school year of caring, supporting, and educating our children. So as Brett said, um, like and subscribe our channel on YouTube, find us on Facebook, all of the popular podcast channels where you find your favorite podcasts, and send us your thoughts, comments, concerns. We'd love to highlight them in our future episodes at schoolhousecracked at gmail.com. As always with me is Mr. Brett Derrickson. And my good friend, Dr. Marcus Motorchandler. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you in our next episode.